Veterinarian and photographer Doug Goring is the co-founder with his wife, author Maria Coffey, in the adventure touring business Hidden Places Travel. For many years, he's worked at combining his love of adventure with the care and protection of animals. It all started with camels, really. So I was very interested in doing longer journeys across the Sahara with the Touregs. The Touregs are a nomadic people that travel across the northern deserts of Africa on caravans of camels. So Gehring tried to find a way to come along. And I thought, well, as a veterinarian, that's my background, I could bone up on some camel medicine and that might make me useful. So Gehring did some research and someone suggested that he go to Bikaner in India, a desert region of Rajasthan. And there he hoped to learn a few things about camels. But he was surprised to realize that camels aren't as popular as he might have thought. Everyone said, well, this is you know, camels. Why are you interested in camels? They're you know, nasty animals. And, and you know, after working there for a couple of weeks in the clinic with camels, I came to the conclusion they are indeed nasty animals. Unfortunately, he didn't learn very much. Disappointed but not discouraged, Goering decided to stay in India and travel. Along the way, he wound up working with a nonprofit organization that does volunteer veterinary medicine for camels, dogs, and other animals. And at one point, we were called out to examine this newly born elephant. So I was in the presence of all these magnificent large animals in, this, in these stables, elephant stables, and it was such a profound experience. I just came home and said, Maria, I just want to work with elephants. Making the shift from camels, Goering and his wife Maria began focusing their attention on the care and treatment of elephants. Through their nonprofit, the Elephant Earth Initiative, the two work now to protect the habitats of elephants in the wild and their welfare among humans in captivity. Well, there are huge issues to do with the welfare of captive elephants. One of the things that we bring across in our presentation is how captive elephants are trained, are broken, and then you know how they are kept after that, the welfare issues are like that. Most people just have no idea of the cruelty that's inflicted upon captive elephants. And then of course in the wild, like any megafauna, they're being hugely affected by population growth, you know, by the loss of habitat, the growth of human-elephant conflict in many places around the world is becoming a very big issue. I mean, elephants are very important to us and to the world as a whole. Doug and I passionately believe we have to do what we can to preserve them. I had the pleasure of meeting Goering and Coffee during the 2011 Banff Mountain Film Festival in Alberta, Canada. There they had on display an amazing assortment of elephant photographs that helped to tell the story behind this magnificent but endangered animal in a presentation they call Elephant Enigma. I'm James Mills, and you're listening to The Joy Trip Project. In your presentation, I heard you say that the eye of an elephant is like looking into an orb into another world. And a lot of that imagery comes out in many of your photographs. What is it about the eye of an elephant that, that is so transformational? It is a bit difficult to describe. I think there is a strange energy. You know, elephants don't have expressive faces. They're not like dogs. Dogs can sort of grimace or smile. and. But elephants don't have that kind of musculature. So when you look at their, 
faces, they don't really move that much. But the eye is all the more expressive. It's not like other animals' eyes. It's it's uh, more like the eye of a whale, if anyone's experienced that. I can just compare it to that. You just know there's something pretty profound going on behind that. You know, there's this energy coming off of it. It seems like there are thoughts and emotions that are kind of beyond our comprehension. You have a complete installation here at the Banff Center, and the elephant photography that you bring to this exhibit, I would imagine, helps to very articulately tell the story through pictures. What is it that these images are inspired to convey? I mean, like for example, this is that eye of the elephant. I mean, what do we want to come away with when we see something like this? I guess the challenge is, how do you convey the magnificence of an animal like that, especially such a large animal, with little photographs that you put on the wall? It's, it's a real challenge. And that's why I guess I've chosen to break it up into, initially, just to find one photo that I felt sort of managed in a way to bring across that that depth and that the feeling that there's something behind that eye. I, I took a lot of photographs. It's not easy to took a lot of pictures of elephant eyes and before I got this one right, you know, to give it that kind of an expressive look. So what I wanted is to show little many different aspects of the elephant and in the end to give people an image of an elephant, not just, you know, a visual image, but all sort of an, an image on an emotional level. Maria, you and I were talking yesterday about the cruelty in terms of the training mechanisms that are used to break the elephant's will in order to get them to do the things that we want them to do. But you also suggest that there are more humane alternatives. First of all, why do we need more humane alternatives? And at the end of the day, what do we want to ultimately have as our relationship with elephants? Why do we need more humane alternatives? Well, I think if anyone saw images or really found out about how an elephant is broken, they would realize that there is a need for an alternative. The elephant's taken away from its mother at <clears throat> about three years old. Elephants are extremely social creatures, and so when they're kept in isolation, it's as terrible for them as it is for us. So this, the little elephant is completely isolated from any other elephants. It's, it's uh, heavily tied up. It's not given any food or water for days on end. It's taunted, it's tortured, it's you know, poked with sticks, firecrackers set off in front of it. It's a really inhumane, cruel process, and the whole aim of it is to completely break the little creature. And eventually when it's broken, psychologically and physically broken, then one of the keepers will come and give it some kindness. And it's just like the Stockholm Syndrome, it's the removal of abuse is seen as a kindness and that creates a bond between the prisoner and its keeper. So it's, it's, a, it's a truly horrible method of, of breaking an animal that is as emotionally complex as we are. Now, is it indeed possible to use more humane? I mean, what, what types of, of methods might be used instead? You know, there are new training methods that have been around that have been developed by, interestingly enough, by psychologists and behavioral scientists in the U.S. Um, since the 50s. They use basically um, its operant training methods. What it means is it uses only positive reinforcement, absolutely no punishment. What's important in the whole process is timing and consistency. The elephant learns that a certain word signifies that a reward is forthcoming, or it can be a sound. It's also called clicker training in dogs. So if the animal hears this click or a certain cue word, it knows 
it's, that's already a, war, in a, a reward in itself because it knows it's going to get a treat. Very complex actions can be broken down into small steps and you train each small step and you just keep showing the animal if anything to what that sort of fulfills that first small step is rewarded and you just basically keep building up what becomes in quite a complex action. But it takes time, it takes consistency, but it also makes for a very healthy relationship between animal and humans because it's not twisted, there's no fear involved in it. And animals also enjoy it. That's another interesting aspect. They actually enjoy the challenge of learning these new things. So it's an all-round win-win situation. So when it comes to building that relationship between elephants and humans in your travel business, when you take tourists to areas where they can interact with and, and visit with elephants, do you have an opportunity to demonstrate to these tourists that there is a better alternative? We talk to them a lot about the issues. The different alternatives are something that we're going to be working on in introducing to different parts of Southeast Asia. So no, I mean, we can only do it through Doug explaining the but, methods. But what we do is we take people to places that it were, animals are still kept in a relatively traditional and humane way. In the sense, we take them to, for example, there's one village in Laos where elephants are basically let free overnight in a forested area. So they're free to mingle with other elephants, they're free to graze wherever they want and wander, and they're collected in the morning again. And nowadays very few elephants have that kind of 12 hours a day of freedom. And that's a huge, you know, positive thing. So that's where we go. We visit this village, we do some elephant rides, but they are not the rides with the hout on the back. We usually do the riding on the neck, which is which is better for and the elephant. The forest. Right. Mm -hmm. But we do but what we're trying to do is support that village because if they don't have any monetary you know, benefit from, from keeping their elephants in a traditional way, they will sell their elephants and they'll end up in tourist camps with you know, 100 elephants that are maltreated. And it's interesting in this village because there is a long tradition of mahoopmanship there. They used to keep elephants for, for you know, having them in the fields and they still do that. Now they started this little tourist business of taking the occasional tourist is really off the beaten track they take them up to this ruins of a temple and they built this road up to this temple so these poor elephants were plodding up this hot road with no shade and we arrived and said why not take the the tourists through the forest and why not have them on the neck you know rather than sticking them in the howdah you know and the, the, the you know the great big seat they put on elephants backs and it was almost like the, you know they they thought they had to do it this way for the tourists and, um, you know, the, the first time that we, 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 we took a group in there and we went through the forest and, you know, I think the Mahouts really enjoyed, the elephants really enjoyed it because they were in the forest, they were in the shade, they could browse on the way. When we went to the temple, they could just hang out in the shade of the trees and it was, you know, it was just saying to people, you know, you can do it this way, even though all the other tourist operations do it that way, you know, you can... You can. Uh, th there's a, a much better way for the elephants, and tourists will enjoy it a lot more ultimately. I think uh, what we try to do is, you know, even though we are um, sort of animal welfare activists, we we're not the ones with the placards, you know, blocking the gate, but uh, we're working in the background, um, showing people options. You know, sometimes it's small steps only. You know, but I do, you know, as a veterinarian, also I think I have you know, a bit of authority there. I know what I'm talking about when it comes to animal welfare. And and I'm also I can also get trust of local people and show options. So it, it you know, it takes two sides. It takes a bit of pressure and it takes someone also to to present options and better options basically.
So if you were to imagine a perfect world, you know, based on the work that you're doing now relative to, to circumstances as they are today, what would the future for elephant habitat and uh, safety preservation look like? Wow. <laughs> That's a big question. Well, I think I, I can't really imagine. Uh, I mean, it's never going to be a perfect world, right? There, there are bigger problems afoot here. It's not just elephants. It's about humans. It's about population growth. In, in the end, it's about poverty. It's about people not having options, therefore basically having lots of kids, having no economic opportunities. A lot of it is tied in with that. As soon as people have economic opportunities and a more secure future, typically birth rates drop dramatically. You know, they don't keep on encroaching onto um, elephant property. So a lot of the answers lies really with, you know, how do we help humans? That's where it all really comes down to. You can see a few of Gehring's photographs over at the Joycher Project website. If you want to learn more about the plight of elephants in the wild, or maybe even see them up close, check out Gehring & Coffee's travel company online. Visit hiddenplaces.net. For the Joycher Project, this is James Mills. Music this week by The Conductive Alliance and Jason Shaw. The Joycher Project is made possible with the support of our sponsors, Patagonia, the New Belgian Brewing Company, and Rayovac. And special thanks to the Walton Works, whose contributions help to underwrite travel expenses to Banff so I can bring back this and other great stories. Visit thewaltonworks.com. Thanks for listening, but you know, I want to hear from you, so please drop me a note with your questions, comments, and criticisms to info at joytripproject.com. Until next time, take care.